What conditions are stipulations? Magic tricks or manipulations interjecting conversation. All right, we're doing it. We're doing it. Wow. We're recording. Hell yeah. This is some crazy Very exciting. Stuff. Well, um, here we are. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a couple. It's been a few months. Weeks? Months? Who's to say? I think it's in months, but honestly, quarantine months are, I think, the same rules as like dog. It's dog yeah. months. Yeah, that's the true. seven months per month. I guess we're going to leap right back into it. Let's say right off the bat, my name is Mackenzie Brennan, and you are? Brooke Rogers. And, and this, this is? is still exceedingly persuasive, we like to think. So. It's exceedingly persuasive in quarantine. It's yeah. from our homes. Yeah, so uh, we apologize for any technical difficulties. I have a bunch of quilts on the ground here in Arizona at my parents' house. Um, I... Like I'm to... just in my living room in Queens at this at, at this moment. Yeah, uh, I want to give a thank you to my cousin Alex Day who gave me his microphone, but it also picks up the whole room. Thank so you, it... Alex. Yeah, so it might be echoey. He retreated to another room. I guess our first step here, as tail between our legs, terrified human beings, as the the rest of you are potentially. Or at least some of you. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that we're in our living rooms. You're probably listening to us in your living rooms because none of us yeah. can leave our house. Right. I would hope that you're in your living rooms or somewhere adjacent. Or your bathroom yeah, or sure. your bedroom or your kitchen or your loft space. Or if you are like live in the suburbs, your basement, you know, wherever you happen to be at somewhere the moment, but inside. Immediate proximity. We had, well, I had a rough couple months i'll start there so i think everyone you know what i mean everyone had a rough couple of months yep yep and if you're having anything situationally rough this is always like a fun confluence of events this kind of thing if you're not having a rough time it's still a rough time so let's backtrack and i'm gonna say a little bit about where the fuck i've been once upon a time in Back. February of this year. Holy shit. Okay. We were going to record our last episode on the day that I found out that I was under quarantine very early on because I had shaken hands with New York's patient Zero, whose name I will not say because he's taken a lot of flack from media outlets and he is a very good man. We actually, the reason that, that I shook hands with him and that he appeared before my judge was that we appointed him as a pro bono attorney for a 70-something-year-old with an immune disorder uh, who was indigent and couldn't afford his own attorney. So that was the context in which we met this guy. Um, but in that context, I shook hands with him, so I was quarantined uh, along with the revelation of New York's first case of coronavirus. So Brooke and I were like, oh, let's not go into the studio. Let's not infect uh, all the last podcast network folks. We don't want to be those people. We want to be careful, yeah. obviously. Like there was even that even that early on, yes. there was a sense of an abundance of caution. Um, Mackenzie had not had any symptoms and she yeah. had, it and didn't, didn't seem like she, right. It didn't seem like she had, was going to, had it or, but she could be asymptomatic. Right. So gotta and be careful. we didn't. 
we didn't want to spread it to anyone, so we thought we'll take a couple. We took, we were gonna, we thought it was going to be a couple weeks, like, uh, and we thought we would just you know we'll just hang over, out we'll at quarantine. Home. Yeah, um, and well, that didn't pan out. Uh, you know what? Our listeners are our friends at this point. I'll say that I'm going through a separation in my marriage, and then I started seeing somebody, a romantic partner, pretty soon thereafter. It's what are you gonna do? My husband, ex-husband, I don't even fucking know. We're on good terms. I love him. He's great. But then with the whole quarantine thing, my other relationship ended pretty abruptly after we tried to quarantine together. So I kind of And it's such a high stress. Yeah, it's a, I mean, very, very understandably. It's very like, under the best circumstances, quarantine is extremely stressful both of our jobs are pretty secure at the moment and we have been really blessed in other areas under but under like the best circumstances quarantine is scary a pandemic is scary everything that's happened so far it's so stressful and so to be doing that you know to be quarantining by yourself is a very daunting idea so so i the first couple weeks i was like man i'm a homebody this is great like i love working on my own schedule because i've been working from home since um i don't know i have no fucking idea but the courts closed it was it was uh i think february it was february 13th for me was my first full day at home Okay, so it was a little later for me, which is, I'm not going to comment. Friday the 13th. Oh, dark. I'm not going to comment on the court's choice to uh, close when they did, but let's just say it was later than that. I was classified as essential personnel for a while, which is, I mean, it's fair because my judge also does all the guardianship cases. It's a little more like the criminal courts. It is closer to essential than things like contract disputes. Um but in any event, yeah, so for the first maybe month or so, I was like, this is this is the American dream. I'm getting paid and I'm working, but I'm on my own schedule. I don't have to put... I was still getting up and, like, changing into different cute clothes, but one day I was like, I'm going to dress like fucking Marie Antoinette. Another day, I'm going to dress like I'm in the Helena My Chemical Romance video. I don't give a shit. This is great. I love that. I've been wearing Beautiful. leggings for, through like, a month and a half. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was this like is the first time I've gotten really dressed up. So Mackenzie and I mode. are both recording from obviously our Mackenzie's in Arizona. I'm in Queens. Yes, we're in our living rooms. Um, we both got very dressed up. I'm wearing a, a dress that I've worn twice ever because yeah. it's very fancy. See? Mackenzie's hair looks very quaffed. We're we're fu- we're just fully dressing up for no reason now because we don't have an option to go out. At, so this is it. It's a sustainability it thing. It's it's a keep yourself sane. But yeah, yeah, I was feeling that very much from the beginning, and then when it kind of occurred to me that I was going through like two breakups, and also there was no end in sight, and also I was alone and had no family around. I kind of freaked out and. Luckily, I guess my grandma's 90th birthday was that following weekend and I had already made plans to go home. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to do that. I'll write it out here. So here I am in Arizona. In sunny Arizona. Yes. And that really helps too. Vitamin D. Um, Yeah. Even though I'm pale as the driven snow, I crave death and melanoma and my body needs sun. (laughs) The only other update that I want to add is that as of yesterday... April 18th or something, uh, Governor Cuomo did sign an executive order that marriage licenses can be granted online, marriages will be performed online, and 
clerks like me can perform them. So if you're trying to get Hit married, Mackenzie up to get you married. What if up? you live in New York City, baby? Hit I Mackenzie am here. up. I'm trying to marry everybody. I, I mean, perform the marriages. So, Brooke, uh, other updates on your end? Honestly, I just the in general, like, can you imagine getting married right now? Just, just the. Oh the, it, everything is so chaotic and I can't even process like day-to-day stuff and the idea of trying to get married at this moment actually my roommate his uh, her friend was planning like was today I think this weekend oh. was the plan on getting married and they had to postpone it until later this year um and yeah this is just like everyone's life is on hold this is yep it's such a I know we say what a wild time to be alive a lot but it's an especially just, us. you know, <laughs> you know, what a wild time to be alive. Uh-huh. Uh, and by wild, I mean, God, I wish I were living in a different time. <laughs> I wish it weren't. Yeah. I wish, I, you know, just, I wanted a calm time. I want the 90s. The 90s were so chill. Yeah, thanks, you know, Clinton. Everyone was just, was like, fine. fake sad. The economy was fine. Everyone was like, I'm just going to wear flannel and listen to like Seattle punk which was good at the time punk was not dead arguably punk wasn't dead so yeah that's a I did a I did a Chris Angel mind freak now I'm working from home in Arizona and I'm with my mom who is mama b mama brennan we love her doctor of nursing practice so at the veterans affairs hospital so she's um on the front lines and we're just holed up here. She's wonderful. She's great. The first time I met your mom, we actually ended up, I remember I th- that weekend, I had lost my phone in an Uber. Oh, yes. <laughs> and we, she, came, she flew in, we went to dinner, and I had to, it was like, I gave him the address for the studio because I knew we were going to be recording that night after we met you with your mom. And he was like three hours late, which is completely understandable. I'm the idiot who left my Uber in the car. Well. I don't blame him. He had to work, whatever. <laughs> but we we couldn't leave the studio. So after we recorded, um, <laughs> we were in the last Podcast Network studio. And we ended up just, it was like 11 p.m. And you, me, and your mom ended up watching Spinal Tap yes. on your laptop. Yes. <laughs> this is Spinal Tap on like a box. <laughs> and she the, was so like, chill about it. She's just like, yeah, this is just. turned off. Yep. She, she comes and visits New York and this is how we <laughs> spend it. Yep. It was a good time. I mean, no, to I be love fair, your mom. it's probably comparable to her previous experiences. I don't know. Maybe better. It's very true. Knowing her upbringing. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. This is the world we live in. How we live now. Every apocalypse movie is too real. Put to shame. Yeah, absolutely. It's just. Uh, so we definitely we want your input as time goes on. We're gonna solicit more at the end of the episode. Maybe just stories of your psyches and your personal experiences. Yeah, we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear how. I mean, honestly, the best way to stay connected right now is to is to talk to people and like reach out and and do share it. things and share stories so i, I think like if bad, you we it. especially want to hear from people who work in healthcare, people who are essential workers like grocery store workers like yeah. food workers like delivery workers um we want to hear your guys' stories we want to hear how corona is affecting you um we 
you can email us at exceedingly persuasive at gmail.com or just DM us. Like, honestly, you yeah, guys find us wherever. And, and we'll talk more about that at the end. I know that our yeah. friend Rab, who uh, works at the Trader Joe's wine store in Manhattan, which is an essential business. Um, God damn right it is. This is fucking America. In, yeah. Of course, the Trader Beautiful. Joe's wine store is essential. And he's trying to take our liquor stores away. How ridiculous. dare you? Oh, and I get, he was also the producer on um, Ben Kissel's documentary on Hail Yourself America. Yeah. That's how we know him. Yes. Um, but he's sent some really surreal photos of the commute. Uh, just like, this is what it's like existing in the world. Go into the wine store and the line is around the block. So I am not, honestly, like, I have not been in an Uber on the subway since, I no. think it was February 12th or 11th. And I don't plan on getting my subway, in an I Uber think, on the subway. I don't think it even runs to my stop right now anymore. I think the sea is totally shut down. So thank goodness I'm not taking it. Yeah, but. no, but I've heard, every story I've heard of the subway right now is like a it's a it's a shit show. It's a complete nightmare. Running. Yeah. The thing is, like, if you're not if you're anywhere but New York right now, yeah, um, it's a totally different experience. The situation in New York is it's weird pretty intense we're the epicenter right now of the corona pandemic we've had i think upward of as of today as of april 19th 242,000 cases in new york city 17,000 deaths so this is obviously a changing figure but yeah uh, yeah it will be obviously it will increase over the next few days but the um everyone's staying inside i mean if you go outside, I, I walked to, I walked to Brooklyn, and the when I was walking through, one thing that struck me is like, because I'm not getting on Ubers, I'm not getting on subways right now. I'm just walking around. And I love you, by the way. When you're walking to, <laughs> when you're walking to grocery stores, when you're like, I basically only leave my house now to go get groceries or to take a walks and mm-hmm. come immediately back. We I wear a face mask whenever I leave the house, things like that. But when you're walking through, one thing you notice is like much less traffic much less foot traffic people are staying inside yeah um grocery stores are implementing social distancing rules so they only let like 30 people inside at a time depending on the size of the store they only let like a certain number of people inside and then you have to stand in line six feet apart and it's yeah bars are closed restaurants are closed the sirens really shook me up yeah Uh, every day all you hear constant constant sirens it's non-stop i didn't even i realized it's i tuned them out the other day then, oh. when i was yeah i was recording something i was doing i was like making something and i listened to the playback and i hadn't even realized there were sirens in the background but it was really obvious in the video and i'm like wow i've just completely mm. tuned them out at and this that's point the one just, thing scarier than being shaken up in a weird way it's yeah because like, i was really shaken up by the yeah by the constant presence of sirens for the first two or three weeks and now they're mm. i don't even hear them anymore if you are in new york city it feels like the end of the world and my whole family's in wyoming and the it's, need is different there too i mean we've talked about course. this in, in it's funny because we've talked about this in different contexts that are a lot more theoretical but uh the needs in wyoming and cities therein are a lot different than those in new york it's almost two, I think it is two ends of the same spectrum because Wyoming is the least densely populated state and New York, at least the metropolitan areas, are the most densely populated. So, right. And and to be speaking from a state that's kind of in the middle of that spectrum now, it's, 
especially given that it's conservative and we'll we'll talk a little bit later about folks and states that are protesting the prolonging of these really really necessary protective measures but I was almost expecting Arizona because we're behind where New York was obviously in terms of temporal progression and because our government is we're purple but we're red so we're we're yeah. still pretty conservative which means aligning oneself with Trump most of the time I thought it would be more lax to make a point and I have seen some things like I you know I'll I'll take a walk and see an elderly couple walking and both of them don't have masks on and I feel guilty being near them and then they seemed like almost offended when I crossed the street yeah so that sort of thing but beyond that um they really are I went to the pharmacy to pick up some stuff and they have like the six feet marked and they have the little like I don't know spit guards up on the checkout counter so in this state at least being in Phoenix which is a metropolitan area granted they they are taking it pretty seriously um yeah which is good but there's even there's even that sense here I remember telling you about this but the other day I went out and um I was at a bodega and I was trying to social distance and so I'm wearing a face mask I was picking something up and there were a lot of people in the bodega with me and I was kind of starting to get anxious because it just Mm -hmm. felt very crowded and it was really hard to like maintain my distance from people but I'm trying to protect my protect myself I'm trying to protect others so I'm not getting close and I was standing in line and a man came up to me and got really close to me and and said like he's like are you waiting in line and I was like uh yeah and And I kind of moved away from him right he wasn't wearing a mask and so I moved away from him and I was like and I kind of like made it obvious that I was like trying to put distance between him and myself and then it's a bodega, so in New York, one thing that you do at a bodega normally mm-hmm. under non-pandemic times is if you're checking out, the person behind you will like put their stuff on the counter too, so they yeah, don't have to heavy. hold it all. Yeah. But I'm checking out, and he comes right beside me and puts his stuff on the counter with mine, and like I'm obviously trying to be like, "What the fuck, bro? Like, what's going on? I'm trying to I'm trying social distance from you. Even in regular you circumstances, just like get out of my fucking face. <laughs> right, but I didn't want to say that, right, so yeah. I pay for my stuff I start walking out and he starts following me and then he yells why are you acting so scared and I didn't respond to him because I didn't know if that would make it worse or not so I just kept walking but it was this he was very offended that I had moved away from him and that I was like trying to maintain it and I was like and what I really wanted to say was have you been outside like do you understand if you it's like why am i scared uh there's a pandemic going on i don't know if you noticed this but i mean there is like and this was in april too like this was because this was about a week ago this was mid-april that this This was two weeks ago yeah Yeah. oh yeah a week ago yeah so it was mid-april that this happened this wasn't like early on in the pandemic probably passed when we had a hundred thousand cases like isn't it beautiful that all other things about life change but the fear and intimidation of existing in public as a woman really is not affected well that's the thing is i wasn't scared of him as a person i was scared of his the virus and or of well, getting myself right. or him sick mm-hmm. and then but as soon as he started yelling at me and following me that's when i started being scared of <laughs> like, him oh, this so still exists too good <laughs> yeah it's true and i'm like i'm not like i'm six i'm, I'm five five eleven you know i'm tall i'm not like a very petite woman and usually that 
kind of like I've noticed that men hmm. don't tend to be as forward yeah. with me as some Jealous. of my friends who are a lot smaller because I am taller and I think that like they kind of that that makes them less likely to just like try to push me around I can't but just knock you down yeah yeah but it doesn't it obviously doesn't make me impervious that kind of stuff so right it's yeah it's it's one of those situations where it's like to stack the fear that I have of the virus on top of the fear I have of you the only being angry with yeah, me that I'm not giving you attention that you Right. That is the fear. Like, why do you think that you're owed that? Like, why do you think that I owe you attention right now? That has persisted anyway. in these tenuous times. Well, uh, the other things that we're going to talk about today in uh, getting back to our regular fair sense, in whatever sense that we can, I don't know. We'll see what we hit. But um, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, individual liberty in general versus government liberty or, or government power, that is. And then splitting government power into states versus federal government, and then splitting federal government into congressional, so legislative, versus executive, which is the president. Um, I know those things have come up a lot in the last week or so. I don't imagine that any of those conflicts are going away. So we just want to hash out some of the actual textual and and judicial legislative bases for... uh, where we're all sitting right now and you know what do we do in a time of emergency does that change the powers that these respective branches and and entities have cuomo has been uh i think very good and i think that's that's collectively acknowledged he's been doing these daily press conferences um and he is the executive of a state so there are all these like weird federalism things that come into play and then obviously individual rights are are the root of everything Right, absolutely. And I think there's this has been in the news in several different ways. So on mm-hmm. one hand, you have President Trump pushing back on governor's rights to control their own state. Mm-hmm. And initially he said, you know, I have I will have the final say in whether or not we can reopen the United States, which is kind of like that's pretty common. Which Trump, he said, yeah, right. You know, and it's in the interest that's, of, of jumpstarting the economy, I think, because that's really all he has. So the economy is really important to him in the election. The mm-hmm. economy is tanked. The economy will not recover this year. The no. economy will not recover in the next four. This is this Sorry. is something that we haven't seen. This this is not like 2008. This is not like the Great Depression. This is probably going to be worse. The, the jobless claims reached 22 million this week. Jesus. That's and those are the ones in, that got through number. to be reported. You know. We're probably going to see that double or triple in the next month or so. I mean, the hotline can't handle it. And that's been shown so many times over on news programs. Like, this isn't comparable to other economic crashes in terms of 2008 being the one in our memory and then the Depression being obviously the, like, textual one. It's also not comparable to other public health issues that have been dealt with in recent memory because uh, the HIV-AIDS crisis under Reagan was probably the biggest national scale one in recent memory and then i think all of us remember tangentially like h1n1 which by the way i had and i was at summer camp and i would drink cold water after taking my temperature to fool them so i could stay at summer camp just to wear Kenzie, that badge proudly 40s yes since the mid 90s oh yeah but so h1n1 swine flu there was sars also none of those 
come this close is not like any of those when that. people say it's just like the flu uh-uh. or whatever it's nothing like that no. this is the it's three times as contagious as the flu first of all so even right. if you are charting it by flu deaths it's completely it's gonna if we let this go without putting the measures that we've put in place and in we place, see that it will it will wipe out huge numbers of people it already has and it will continue to letting this go on and letting this go on would prove to be extremely fatal and not only that you you do not want this virus yeah the symptoms never there's we're kind of finding out the symptoms never fully go away if you have an underlying sickness it can completely destroy your lung tissue 20 percent of the people who get put on ventilators survive that's an incredible fatality it's a weird like cross-section of people and age groups who get put on ventilators as well and who are poorly affected by this Uh, it's not your traditional like Oh, babies and older folks, which, again, is nothing to scoff at, even in the worst circumstance, but it, you know, it's hitting people of all age groups. It's being transmitted by people who are asymptomatic. Um, It's killing people who did not know, at the very least, whether they had an underlying condition. Yeah. Um, And the resources simply aren't there. So, yeah, Suffice to say, this is unprecedented as far as public health crises go on a global scale in recent memories, generations. I, I guess the Spanish this flu is, a is, is the This is a generation-defining pandemic. There was a study done in Norway where they tested a huge pool of people with thousands of people. 50% of the people who tested positive for coronavirus were asymptomatic. Just because you don't think you have it does not mean you don't have it, and that's why quarantining and social distancing is so important because you don't know if you could give it to somebody else in any event uh you want to move on to at least yeah we're, we're all in a fucking bad place uh both emotionally situationally any it's extremely scary yeah, yeah absolutely let's uh, so all just be just careful with the, and gentle with the state versus federal stuff uh cuomo pushed back against trump who said that he would decide when the nation reopened. Cuomo's been kind of the loudest voice because obviously he's the governor of New York, which is where the pandemic has hit hardest. He's been a big voice, a big leader in in the states talking about coronavirus. And so him and Trump were kind of sparring about who Hmm. actually had power to shut down the states. And Trump has been waffling on it. He goes between saying he has absolute power Hmm. to saying that states have gone too far to saying that he's not going to have the final word and that they will decide ultimately. Um, But as we know, uh, a lot of kind of, I guess, this generation's... There's always always like a reaction to whatever's going on. In 2008, there was the tax enough already. It's the Tea Mm. Party. Now we have protests in Michigan because people are mad that they're being told to stay home they're mad about lockdown and um usually they have like they have these like posters that are like liberty give me liberty or give me death but they're like in front of a baskin robbins or they'll have like like it's it's all like a lot of hoopla um and on one hand we get it obviously because if your job is on the the line right yeah yeah if if your job is on the line and and there's no you know your the employment and your, the unemployment in your state isn't reliable and you can't get a hold of them because the infrastructure is terrible, obviously you're going to be upset. This is very scary. Um, maybe organize a, a rent freeze strike. That seems like Those it's more useful. Those are the useful. practical kind of things. Yeah, a rent freeze, um, 
I think maybe mobilizing yeah. the federal government to provide testing and money for those sort of resources, whether it be antibody testing, so people who have already had it, or testing for active virus loads, things like that, vaccine research. Those are the practical things that will make this a a lesser effect, a lesser amount of time. Uh, but obviously, people are in pain, and I, I absolutely understand that. I people wish there were more constructive expressions of it in some of these states and i wish politicians would lead folks to a more constructive expressions because absolutely it's a party line thing in a lot of these cases too and people should use their positions of leadership to push in the right direction in terms of constructive change um but uh if you want to talk about some powers okay so the idea is that you know we have states rights versus federal government power yeah and versus individual rights and what that means and um we talked about obviously the people who are the the protesters who are upset oh yes that they that they are being told to stay in their homes and they think it's this violation of their liberty so right mackenzie resident lawyer very smart lawyer lady could you tell us a little bit about what that actually means yeah and what the the difference between um the power the federal government has versus the power that states have versus Let's our do it. individual right for to assembly our individual rights and 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 from a law point of view what all that looks like and break that down for us yeah i think i'm still a lawyer even though i have not put on formal bottom wear in multiple months but we'll see i guess no i mean um, it's like you know it's it's tip of the toe back lawyer. in you yeah know, you can't see her exactly does she exist we don't know hard to say i am in a box just like <laughs> the cat so um so yeah it, there are so many tiers here like you were kind of summarizing we have individual rights obviously being the baseline natural what are humans entitled to right and then from there we have the social contract idea which a lot of us have probably heard about Um, I know John Locke talked about it, Hobbes, Rousseau. There's this idea of, like, there are things that you sacrifice to be part of a society because we live in a society, even if we've forgotten. I don't know if you guys know this, but we, like, live in a society. That is true. I don't know if you've seen the Joker, but we live in a society. Freaking yeah. So the society in which we live, there are, you know, positives and negatives. You pay taxes so that people can fill in the potholes on the roads that you drive to work on and people can build the roads and the bridges. That there is a give and take that you kind of surrender some liberties on a a baseline level just to exist and have some societal comfort and protection. And obviously from there there's the kind of extension of your freedom only extends as far as your fist doesn't reach somebody else's nose right your right to punch yes. only your right to punch ends where my nose begins yes basically, absolutely thank idea. you yeah um so those are the kind of social contract ideas that individual liberty is very important but that there is a give and take and that sometimes the people that you're protecting are not going to be you it's going to be the elderly person down the block or it's going to be somebody who's immunocompromised things like that and there's also i think a question of um at what point at what point is social contract actually more important and more weighty than what the law is telling you to do so yes technically Hmm. 
it's like it, it, just because social contract isn't enforced by um, the police, by the state, sure, sure. It does it's not like on make your it honor. less important, right? It doesn't. Social contracts are not less important just because they are not enforced by the state, and in some ways, they actually may be more important because it's a choice that you make out of your own volition. So, from like right. a philosophical point of view, it's almost like the fact that you choose to protect your neighbor. That's self governance, right? I. It's kind of law versus law enforcement. Because right. it's it's like we're suggesting that you please do this so that we don't have to take the next step, and then there's and the enforcement via via the yeah the police via law enforcement. We're gonna take you and, on your word that you're you're good people and that you're part of this society. Please don't and that yeah. you care enough about your yeah. neighbors and yourself, your family, your community to be making these choices on your own without mm-hmm. the interference from the state and. There's been a lot of this idea of like even like with with the signs the obviously the implication of these signs of like give me liberty or give me death is and and a lot of the rhetoric that I've seen um, coming from some people on the right has been like if you choose to live under these laws that these governors are handing down if you choose to be under lockdown without asserting your right to accept <laughs> for to assemble if you or without asserting your right to go outside like your bootlickers, basically, who want to live under authoritarian state. You are accepting oppression. And it's not that at all. In fact, if you choose to honor these social contracts, you are choosing self-governance. You are Instead of waiting for the state to enforce these laws, right. you're saying that... And this is something that my, my roommate and I, Sarah, have talked about a lot, but it's this idea of like... If you choose to be responsible of your own volition, that is actually like a much more admirable. You're not doing this because the state is telling you to, mm-hmm. and you're not pushing back against the state's guidelines just because it's coming from the state. You're saying, I am choosing as an individual to make the best choices for myself and my community yeah. outside of the state. It's, and- I mean, not to oversimplify, but it's like when a kid says, You never treat me like a grown up, and then the parent says, Then act like one. Right, exactly. In some ways, that is that is a great example. We're not living under a police state yet. No. You know, this is not what a police state looks like. And we don't like. want to get there. We don't want to be so unrestrained in our own self-governance right. that we cannot keep ourselves at home. If we cannot people, restrain ourselves. Ugh. If people who in every other part of their lives are incredibly privileged continue to, like, like we saw in Michigan with the protests, these people... Who... And relatively privileged too. That there is, right. they don't necessarily have to be the wealthiest, the the least affected. But people who are not sick right now apparently right. don't have not immunocompromised, so they can right. go outside. They can go to these protests without masks they, on and yell about masks. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they aren't fearing for their lives. Um, and you know, it's just today and today and yesterday. Um, my my dad, who ha- does have underlying immune problems, mm-hmm. had to go to the ER and get surgery for something that's not related to COVID, but it was unexpected. Mm-hmm. And um, he is going to be compromised, and he has been compromised for the last and in a place of years. where most of the people in a lot of hospitals are people who are suffering from this communicable disease. So yeah, yeah. it's it's Wyoming, so low populace and right. low risk, but at the same time, like he doesn't have the ability to cry and scream and kick and say you're like, you know, my state is violating my rights or because 
he can't go in a group that right. big. And, and yet the people who get it are going to be in the room next to him, theoretically. Exactly. Cetera, and so it's like, it, it is this idea, it's kind of, it's kind of this ironic thing that turns it on itself. And again, like, if, you, if you're coming from an economic point of view, where you're saying this is unfair to bartenders and people who work in restaurants. And I agree. And people who... Yeah, absolutely. Then I don't know about unfair, you know, but it's shitty, and so let's reduce oh no, the it absolutely duration. Is shitty. Yeah. So set up GoFundMe's for those people. Uh, protest, you know, or stay the fuck home. I mean, yeah, all the above, but no, stay the but fuck home want, right if now. If you do want to do something proactive, yeah. like so, yeah, stay home, wear masks when you go outside, take precautions for yourself and your neighbors, show some responsibility, and step advocate up for and useful have responses. Some, yeah. Yes. Have like self govern. If you, yeah. want, if you want, right. if you want to prove that you can self-govern, self-govern Lead by example. Now. Lead sure. by example. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what act like. That is what being a responsible citizen and a responsible community member looks like. Yeah, just existing. Then, absolutely. And then on top of that, like, if you want to be proactive, and if you, if like, if your inclination is like the people in Michigan to set up a protest, to that because you're feeling oppressed and you're you're worried about it from an economic point of view, which I don't think most of them are. But if you are worried about it from an economic point of view, you're worried about people on the bottom rung of the economic ladder getting hurt the most, which is completely valid. Set up GoFundMe's, support people, fight for fight for structural justice, fight for big structural changes, yeah. So that in the future, people at the bottom don't get hurt so much. Like, I'm Absolutely. a class family. I understand this. There is no social safety net mm-hmm. for people who come from the kind of background that I come this from. This is things like food stamps, healthcare, education. Yeah. All of it is really weak in our com- in our country. And we're like, we're now seeing what happens when we face... When we f- sorry. We're now seeing what happens when we face a global pandemic and there is a, a, an incredibly weak social safety net and people are choosing between healthcare and rent and groceries and car payments and or like, none of the above. Yeah, or they just don't have. Yeah. they don't have any income at all. And it's like, listen, if you really are worried about those people, if that's who you are worried about, and you're worried about how the lockdowns are going to affect those people, fight for structural change. Figure out how you can support those people in your community. Figure out how you can and support advocate small on a policy basis. Yeah, advocate for rent freezes. Like there are things you can do, but going yeah. to you know, waving the Confederate flag in front of the Michigan State Capitol building not is, not, is not for anyone but yourself and your own ego. That's my, right. Anyway. I, I mean, it's panic driven. But yeah. so, yeah, let's there are so many weird moving parts. So I'll just I'll pick up and start somewhere. Yeah. Um, to go back to the beginning, we'll say that the Federalist Papers on executive power. So that's the president. Uh, who has now touted many times, either expressly or not expressly, because he said it directly a number of times, but he also has kind of been espousing this view through his actions from day one, whether related right. to this crisis or not, that the executive is essentially a monarch and that they can do no wrong because they're the executive. I mean, this is an argument that Dershowitz made for yeah. Trump as the executive in the impeachment hearings, which ultimately uh, did not result in removal. So... Do you remember yeah. the impeachment hearings? Like, yeah, that was this year. Was that this year? I'd be surprised. I if don't you told me it was know. this decade. I, I don't, don't know. That I feels no like a thousand lifetimes ago. Oh yeah, there's an election too. By the way, uh, that's the thing. Um, We're not even going to touch on that this episode. Nope. Well, maybe next We're gonna episode get we can into, get around that. We have yeah, so many other things. Luckily, a lot of stuffs on pause. But so, in terms of the executive and where 
our governmental structure wanted that person, the person that holds that office to be. Um, I don't want to go through the Federalist Papers specifically, but all of them, predictably, were essentially the gist of them was we are very scared of the executive, the president, thinking that they are a monarch. They're not. We're really afraid of that. Let's stress that, that they are not the king. Uh, or queen, theoretically. Which is exactly what Cuomo said, ironically. Yes. He ac- I think he actually quoted Hamilton, maybe, but he said, we, oh, elect, yeah. we elect presidents, we do not elect kings, after baseline. Trump tried to assert his power over the and states. And say that the president has the final say. Um, and then we're also going to get into parsing. The president is obviously a piece of the federal government versus the states. Federalism is kind of the division of power between the states and um, the national government. Is kind of the most well-known federalist in Congress today. Oh, is that still a label that we? Okay. Yeah. So I mean, we do have a federalist system because the states and their state executives, as governors, do hold some powers. There, there are a fair amount of powers reserved to the states, and the Tenth Amendment reserves all the powers not enumerated in the Constitution to the states. So we do live in a in a federalist system. Um, we do live in a a society, society that is federalist. <laughs> oh God, the federalist society is so skeezy now though that's a thing um do yeah just don't don't yeah. mix up those words nah, in any other order not capital it means f something capital else. s yeah uh-uh. <laughs> but um you know that that was the whole compromise of bringing together all these different little mini societies right um federal government at large versus the state governments is then divided in and of itself into those three branches into legislative executive and judicial so supreme court congress and the president so when you say that there's federal power to do something, that doesn't even necessarily mean that it falls to the president. In fact, a lot of times it falls to the legislature, Congress, uh, so Senate and the House of Representatives, and that they are the ones with the final say. They're Article One. Their powers were the first tier of the Constitution. So even if we're going to argue that the federal government has this power over the states, it's usually not going to be the president's power in general. Right. So we'll backtrack a little bit to the states and just go through them. So any powers not delegated to the federal legislature by the Constitution or to the federal government, that is, are reserved to the states and the people. That's the Tenth Amendment, that if it's not written in this document that it falls to uh, this specific body, it goes to the states directly now it gets a little tricky because there's this whole necessary and proper clause that says any measures that the legislature needs to execute their powers they can do that too which okay. is obviously super open to interpretation and the necessary and proper clause has been debated ad infinitum because it's like the legislature has all these powers but also anything else that maybe they will need if they want to exercise the powers okay which could mean anything but so explain yeah so asterisk yeah how often outside of the current circumstances that we live under how often does this come up so pretty frequently and we'll get into in a second about like emergency powers versus your just general who's doing what on a day-to-day basis um right some good examples of this conflict between where the state power begins and where the federal power ends. Some good cases are the New York versus United States case, 
which was the Supreme Court held that the federal government cannot compel states to adopt regulations. In that case, the regulation was about these options for nuclear waste disposal. And so they were trying to force state governments into doing that. That was unconstitutional. Prince versus U.S., another unconstitutional exercise of federal legislative power. Okay. And that was uh, striking down a congressional requirement that local law enforcement participate in the Brady Act, which was local handgun checks. And we've talked about this. We've talked about the Brady Act before, I believe, yep. in reference to... was it? Well, it probably came up a couple of times, honestly. Yeah. So it is. It's like handgun possession. Um, It's something that was passed as a federal law about um, background checks before purchasing handguns. And a good predicate is that policing power is usually just assumed to be something that's designated to the states, which makes sense because they're better equipped to do that. But so right, to things, decide based off of like their location what yeah, is best yeah. for them as a state. What works yeah. and, and what are local laws and, and we're a small police department, et cetera, et cetera. So that makes sense that things like background checks for purchase. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't. I have my disagreements, but uh, it at least holds together. Right. And things like waste disposal being the distilled version of nuclear waste disposal also yeah, maybe the states can deal with that better than the federal government. And we we got to trust them in this federalist system to work that out. Um, another thing that comes up a lot, especially with these ideas about like, are we going to restrict travel into or out of New York, for example, which obviously affects right. me a lot. Um, and yeah, toyed so with. in Arizona, if, yeah. if they restrict travel if they restrict travel back into the New York, Mackenzie will mm-hmm. be able to get back into the state. And that was something that Trump actually talked about a yeah. few weeks ago. Um, again, when I say a few weeks ago, it might have been a few days ago. I have ago. no idea. I've lost all, <laughs> Months? I all don't concept know. of time, all understanding of time. But a few weeks ago, Trump was considering putting New York and New Jersey under, like the tri-state area. The tri-state area under quarantine, meaning they would not, no one would be able to leave and no one would be able to come in. And that was intended to potentially stop the spread well, of coronavirus to other states. That's what he said. I think it was also intended as a punishment because it was right after either Cuomo or de Blasio um, had said something about the ventilator need. And so it was some, there were, yeah, he there was, was pissed a off. Huge disagreement over whether or not New York State should get more federal ventilators. Trump was holding back on them and saying that he wouldn't send as many as they as were needed for New York City. He said they he didn't think they would need that many and gave like one hundredth of the request, which like why would they lie? Why? And then I know it's like, what do you think that what? we just like want some extra ventilators? Is the ulterior motive? Yeah, it's, I don't know. They're not whippets for Christ's sake. It's not like we're just stockpiling they? ventilators. Have you tried and, one though, girl? I mean, come on. And this is actually a big conspiracy theory for a while because people <gasps> thought that um, Cuomo was holding on to ventilators that we like, basically holding ventilators that were needed for patients. Why? Um, in a in a uh, basically a storage facility in New Jersey because he wanted coronavirus to get a lot worse to use as like a cudgel against Trump. Yeah, because obviously as an executive for whom the pandemic is going poorly, 
it looks great for you, as we see with Trump. Like, yeah, it's a real winning strategy. Right. Cuomo's approval ratings are okay right now. Because he's handling it well. He's handling it well. But anyone who understands policy understands, like, honestly. Not a great look. The thing is... I because because I've been inside so much um <laughs> all my roommate and I do all day is just talk about all of this oh yeah and constantly. it's good because you at least need to process it it's better to talk no, about it than I'm not so, so I'm so so grateful that I live with Sarah specifically but also just that I live with someone yeah who, like cannot imagine like we talked about at the beginning of the episode g- doing this alone like quarantine alone, it's bad I would be losing my god it really mind. is bad yeah i can speak from experience horrible it's terrifying but he you know cuomo understands that this lasts too long if we're under lockdown too long it's going to reflect in his approval numbers like people are not going to be happy about that he extended yeah. it to may 15th no and if the duration goes that. poorly too like if it's not Absolutely. flattening the curve that you know there's nothing to but be won reason- the reason why they had them in the storage facility in New Jersey was because <laughs> they saw the uptick. They, they they understood that there were going to be more cases and they needed more ventilators to supply to those people so they wouldn't die. And you can't just you can't Let them just ask for ventilators when you already have a deficit. You need to ask for ventilators when you know there's going to be anticipatory. A need. Yeah, right. Anticipatory. So that's what they did. And so they were sitting in a storage facility in New Jersey for a brief amount of time while they were waiting to hand them out to people who needed them patients who needed like them rationing it's essentially Ac- rationing absolutely. yeah um but trump thought that we were just hoarding ventilators for funsies we were doing it to reflect i have New done York that was doing it myself to reflect so him. i understand Mackenzie yeah. has several ventilators that she just keeps upwards of 100 just for fun yep i have them in, in a storage closet. facility i i rent one out yep yeah there's that um oh yeah so we were talking about interstate travel, so this is the background right. to the idea of, of traveling interstate. I'll try to make this quick and dirty, but so there's a privileges and immunities oh, wait, clause. We're in quarantine, Mackenzie. You can't Everything. do things like that to me anymore. I'm so sorry. I'm, this is a business setting, this is a, madam. This is a professional setting. Even if I'm not wearing business pants. Even if I'm not wearing business pants. This is a business setting. We Please, are, respect. Respect our professionalism, madam. We're maybe dressed as professionally as we have been in a while, so... I mean, this is plausible This is my wedding outfit. This yeah, is what I wear to weddings. Comparatively, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just as a tangential crash course, side note, whatever, there's a privileges and immunities clause, and then there's a privileges or immunities clause, which is absurd. One is, is essentially about the rights of citizens of the many states in relation to other states. One is about federal citizens' rights and that no state can pass a law that infringes on them because they are federal citizens. The second one was was in the 14th Amendment, which is also like a big due process one that's cited. It came about after the Civil War. Point being, there is a right to interstate travel that has been memorialized by the Supreme Court in a case called Sands v. Roe. Um... That, Lots of rows. Lots of I know. rows in Supreme well, Court law. You know why, though? Because it's a stand-in last... It's like Doe. It's like right. a, Oh, who's that? Yeah, they're row. We don't they're want... row. Yeah. Mm, we, don't, we don't need to know their last name. Yeah, yeah. So, Put a row on it. <laughs> somebody's been watching Portlandia. Love it. 
constantly. I, I already referenced it once in this episode. I, might I know. As well just just like I've been watching Community because thank God it's on Netflix now. We're running out oh, of no. stuff. Oh no, I forgot to tell you, Mackenzie's complete sidebar. What? You know what I've been getting into? What? Anime. Stop. Anime. I've been getting into anime. And I'm not sorry. So that's great. That I'm anyway. happy for everyone. Sorry, interstate travel. I I'm respect becoming, all I'm interests. I'm becoming a different person in quarantine, and now we are. Sometimes that's for the best, man. I, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, I improve. I'm working on it. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So there's this case, Sans v. Roe, privileges and immunities clause, um, the comedy clause, C O M I T Y, not E D Y. Essentially, it prevents a state from treating citizens of another state in a discriminatory manner. So okay. that case said that you you can't restrict interstate travel uh, just because somebody's from another state. Again, a lot of these things have asterisks on them in cases of national emergency, which public health incidences kind of fall under that umbrella. And we can get into that later. But uh, we've talked about substantive due process before. I'm just running through this stuff in case for those of you who want to know the like for those just down and dirty. Today. Hell yeah. Um, so due process clause is, is that nobody can deprive the government can't deprive you of life, liberty or property without due process of law. That's been taken to mean um, it's in both the fifth and 14th amendments. The 14th is post Civil War. Fifth is obviously pretty early. Um, one is the federal government can't. That's the fifth one. Uh, 14th is kind of incorporating that to the state governments that they also can't deprive you of these things without due process, which is like a criminal okay. proceeding and good evidence, all that good stuff. The liberty interest, because it's not defined, is pretty broad and it's been interpreted to cover a lot of those like kind of catch all things. Um, it's been something that's used for marriage equality and for reproductive health because it's like, oh, freedom to do all these basic fundamental things that aren't enumerated, right. but let's flexibly acknowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, substantive due process in a liberty sense is something that kind of covers one's independent right to leave the home and to do what you want in the home and to wear what you want things like that's kind of stuff that you could see extending personal bodily freedom economic freedom stuff like that the griswold case which ironically i think we've brought up in reproductive health context because it's about freedom to use contraceptives and states not passing laws that infringe on your right to use a contraceptive um that was the first one that really explained this liberty interest in a, a personal bodily integrity kind of way. And okay. it's I just thought it was kind of interesting because they invoke all these other, they use the word penumbras, which is like shadows cast by these other rights that are enumerated in the Constitution. So it's like, oh, the founders definitely intended it because, say, the Third Amendment, which is the one that says that you can't be forced to quarter soldiers in your home. Obviously, we don't want people going into the bedroom because soldiers can't come into the home. So right, that's by important. the Third Amendment, which mm -hmm. prevents yeah. soldiers from quartering your home without you giving them so permission to. They're like vampires that way. You can't absolutely. invite them. You have to invite them in. You must invite them in, and otherwise they can't do it. So it's like, okay, there you did not intend the government to come into the home and police you there and police when you what you do in the home and when you leave, things like that. And then the Fourth Amendment, the whole search and seizure without a warrant or good cause, that's another kind of shadow umbrella thing that 
suggests that we want some privacy rights. Right. Um, and then the Ninth Amendment is kind of a catch-all amendment that is similar to the Tenth, reserving things to the states in that it says that anything not enumerated goes to people in general. It, I mean, the only thing worse than enumerating everything, I guess, was enumerating nothing. I mean, we've talked how many times? So many times. So many times. We talk every episode. And every yeah. goddamn episode. We're they like, tried to list it, and look how it it's went. It's got to so, be vague. Yep. Because if it's not, if it's super hyper specific, then they're yep. going to go back and say, well, it wasn't listed. We so got it's not all these right, loopholes. So you're uh-huh. out of goddamn luck. And here we so are now. To, so it's it's like a devil on both sides, right? Yes. Because you don't yeah. want it to be too vague. And it, obviously it being incredibly vague will cause many, many problems as mm-hmm. we've seen throughout throughout the course of the history of our country and yeah. the establishment of its laws and the enforcement of its laws. And then on the other side, you have this thing where it's like you can't make everything hyper-specific because that also... There's no way you can imagine... Like, philosophically, you cannot You can't imagine, imagine. every circumstance. Uh-uh. I mean, just with, with how our society has changed. Yeah. Our society that we live in because we live in a the society... The one we live in, the Federalist. <laughs> the Federalist society that we live in. What? Lower, lowercase f, lowercase uh-huh. s. Um, because of how much it's changed, like there's, who could the founding fathers, even if they did think of everything at the time, which is already tough about this, yeah, right, like even if they would have conceived of like the idea of a pandemic happening, right. There are so many variables that they would not have and shopping and mass transit, like yeah. So we're kind of stuck. But the point being that there is a constitutional basis for this idea of personal liberty, a privacy interest, um, that there's that it's all kind of rooted in in due process. And so I just want to give my plug to the importance of Supreme Court nominees and that importance then translating to executive presidential elections. So I Uh, guess we are going to talk about the presidential I'm just going to throw it in there. I'm not saying anything specific. Um, I don't know if one's going on. Who's to say? Um, yeah, yeah, I had a pretty rough. Listen, okay. So I wanted Liz Warren. Now I can say it because she's not in the race. It's all theoretical now. God damn. There was a moment Could have had a bad when, bitch. like, after Bernie dropped out, and I realized that Joe Biden was going to be the nominee. There was just like, there was a moment where it felt like I was just sitting in a field, and there's a. A That's camera nice. slowly panning on my face as melancholy music played in the background, mm-hmm. and then just like the rain started coming down, where it's just like, like the presidential election is going to be between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, and it's just like 2016 over again, yep. except Joe except Biden worse probably qualified. has, and he can't put a coherent sentence together, and he's going against Trump. And you and know they're what? Basically, the same person. I mean, they're not. Way, they're not. But Supreme Court nominees and like a few and policies. respect for the Constitution. Do you think Joe Biden really has that much more respect for the Constitution? Every executive. I mean, even George W. Bush had more respect oh. than yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, this is Florida like the, I I hate moral relativism at its extreme, but as opposed to moral absolute, whatever. We'll get into it at another time. But oh my god, I know it's. I, point being, I acknowledge it's fucking out bleak. With, think of all the people we started out with at the beginning of the primaries. 
the the think of the the array the but you know if you will of <laughs> i will candidates that we started out with and we ended but up see that's how the republican Joe poll started Biden. out in 2016 and look exactly. what that i'm having deja vu mm-hmm. because this is the exact conversation i had on the right in yep. 20 in 2016 oh, when everyone yep. was throwing looking at their hands saying what happened what the fuck did we do yep we started out with 17 people on in the democratic prim- primaries we started out with i think a similar number maybe like 21 because <laughs> we had so many people we got, jay Inslee was in this fucking i don't sorry, even jay Inslee was in this race i could not even name all the people who are in it you know what? I don't Whatever. remember. I'm not going to try Hickenlooper. Like, there was a time when there <laughs> were people who literally couldn't even name off every single right. person, even at that time, because there were so many people running. Right. And there was a point. I was like, who is this random I older the, white guy? I have no idea. At the idea. beginning of the year, it was very clear that Joe Biden didn't have a chance because he could not be in public for more than five minutes without a gaffe or without saying something that didn't make sense. Which, to be fair, has always been his MO. It's not like that is that that's why is strictly never, that's, the... This is why yeah, he never won the nomination. He's run and for yet, president three times. And we never, got a gaffe king who... Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. The moderates rallied behind Biden. <sighs> they all decided he... I don't know why they didn't choose another moderate to rally behind, but he won, he won a couple important states, and then it was clear it was going to be bernie or biden and they chose biden for what for because they it's straight white bernie. moderate dudes who are old that's it's, the he's way moderate he's palatable they all decided that he was going to be the guy not risky to put up against trump but let me tell you trump is going to win i don't know i can't do like, it trump, do you honestly like imagine the debates biden's not going to be able to he can't be on the spot enough biden's to, not going to be present he called, he told voters in primary and important primary states, yes. vote for somebody else. Yep. He's been aggressive. He's been combative. He cannot campaign. But not in if the you, same, like, focused, <laughs> focused way that, yeah. yeah. That Trump is. Trump at least has a game plan. He understands, like, what he's doing. It's a self-centered, shitty one. He's a reality TV one. show. Yeah. Yeah, he's a reality TV show host. Like, he understands how to play the media. <sighs> Biden is a, is a mess. Ironically, uh... Biden is weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> it is literally just propped up campaign people. Weekend at Biden's. I, I understand the confusion there, but it's just like, yeah, let's put words in his mouth. Whatever. God damn. And that's the, that's a Democrat. That's who Democrats chose to go against Trump, and maybe the most important election year of our of, of and our yeah, lifetime. I want to coalesce to. Yeah, I don't know. All right, let's bring it back around. We'll jump back to. Obviously, equal protection clause yeah. matters, too. You can't treat similarly situated groups of people differently. So different states that will get invoked. Um, there's also the full faith and credit clause in Article 4, which is that the states must recognize legislative acts, records, judicial decisions of the other states. So that's the kind of thing that, like, if somebody is arrested in one state and then they escape and flee to another one, it's like extradition. Right. sort of idea and, and then an extension of that to other your things. laws do not are not Expire more important than the other states at, laws yeah, or, yeah yeah and and if somebody you got to cooperate and and respect that these are all the same sort of things um now there are some things that apply in emergency situations that will not apply i, I mean obviously emergencies call for different sorts of responses and, and the constitution and judicial interpretations thereafter have accounted for that um ironically past examples of this have more been the federal government 
trying to extra intervene versus now we have Trump trying to use power to not do things right, and not force yeah and force not responding to an emergency which kind of fundamentally disagrees with emergency powers as a general idea right because right if it's an emergency and that's what you're invoking then you should treat it as such not be like i force you as the executive to not care about this yeah um so it's kind of weird habeas corpus saying is, that states are doing quote-unquote too much saying yeah, that they are like be normal you know, the lockdowns are, which is because again like he's trying to preserve the economy oh, which yeah. is the main thing we he know his for impetus and again the economy is not coming back this year it's simply not yeah probably in the next few years it probably. wouldn't if he had done everything right which would have at least minimized the impact but what are right. you gonna the, do no this was like this i mean this pandemic was gonna knock out our economy no matter what right yeah, we could have put best better preparation in place. Mm-hmm. We should have. Yeah. All of that still would have knocked our economy on its ass. Exactly. Now we're just seeing that happen at a much greater scale. And it much, sucks that that's the only thing scale. he has to offer politically and it's telling. No, absolutely. But so usually what these sort of powers come down to is the habeas corpus, the writ of habeas corpus requirement, which was really, really important to the drafters of the Constitution, to the founding fathers. It's from Latin habere. It means to have the body, produce the body, show me the body. It essentially means there must be something to get law enforcement or the government to produce the person who's been arrested and say, this is what I'm, this is the person, this is what I'm charging them with. This is the crime I think they committed. I like to think of it as like a no body, no crime sort of thing. Right. It's like, show me the body, even though that's not technically what they're talking about. Um, But it's, it's fundamental to to the United States. It's fundamental to democracy in general. It's like you can't arrest some it's the same idea as due process. You can't arrest somebody right. and hold them without there being something that the government can say that they did wrong. Um but the federal government as a collective, so again this includes both executive, president, and Congress, legislative, um, but it's in Article One, which is about the legislature. Right. Um the federal government cannot suspend it unless Public safety requires it in times of invasion or rebellion. So that's kind of open-ended. It doesn't really provide for pandemic, but it's uh, that's probably the most interpretable. But again... Which is funny because Trump very specifically used the word mutiny when he talked huh. about governors who said oh that they... That he did not have power to reopen the states on, you know, ridiculous with a a sweeping order. Yeah. And he also used mutiny on the bounty. He compared himself to one of film's greatest villains and history's greatest villains. So uh, I he's all over the board. Um, But yeah, so there is this general concept that and obviously the, the text frames it as you cannot suspend this unless there's a huge emergency and it must be done and even then it's in the article of the constitution that addresses the legislature's power not the executive um so that came up in this youngstown steel case and that was when i oh boy i believe it was during the korean war president uh told these striking steel workers he was like you guys we really need ammunition you cannot strike right now you have to keep working um yeah and the steel workers and Congress were like, wait a second. I don't think you can tell us to do that, even though it's an emergency. And the Supreme Court held in the Youngstown case that there are these different tiers of congressional authority, but you need some congressional authority. So you need Congress to say 
that you can do it or imply that you can do it. And if they don't, you really got to have something very, very compelling. And and his requirement that the steelworkers go back to, to making their ammo was held unconstitutional. So that's where we start out. And, and that's kind of executive versus legislative in a time of emergency. Obviously, the biggest thing that invokes this conflict is Lincoln suspending the writ of habeas corpus in the Civil War. Um, to kind of put martial law in place because half the country had decided they weren't America anymore and they were doing their own government. Right, which, you know, we're, we're probably not facing something of that magnitude. We're not there yet. But if yeah. there are... If half of the states want to remain oh under lockdown and half of the states want to open the economy up, there is going to be a problem yeah. because obviously if our economy isn't operating as a whole, if if there are states who say, like, we're not going to let anyone in or out, it's, yeah. going, to be, it's going to be a and huge logistical problem. We start in for it, once people start enforcing it on a local level with police, then it really yeah. does. We get pretty close to that sort of idea. And it it's, again, I'm going to plug another reminder of how important it is who the executive of the country is, because we're talking about Lincoln, who was obviously somebody renowned for being well-prepared and yeah. uh, having interests of equity in mind. Um, and this is something that history still has conflicts about him exercising, but it was... Um, I think the way that it came to the forefront and the Supreme Court actually like fought against him was that they arrested some Southern general who occupied some significant role in this like pseudo independent South without having a reason. So no, no good habeas corpus there when it was demanded, but they just wanted to kind of stop this governance from happening. Um, And Again, it's all in a really positive interest, which I would argue is distinguishable from this circumstance. But uh, there was still pushback about the executive doing that. Um, George W. Bush also suspended it for a little bit in 2006 against enemies of the United States, which was it was a shitty thing. It had less like practical effect because it wasn't all people throughout the country it was just right. about him trying to do dick cheney's like powerful executive idea but uh yeah so oh dick cheney finding ways to weasel into our modern discourse disgusting he will survive until the end of our republic and he, he might survive ex- until he runs out of hearts to replace his own and he never will la- he might execute until he runs downfall. out of hearts to replace the last one that he that's somehow really like shoved in his chest. Romantic and poetic, and it makes me sad. Given my I'm sorry. current state, I'm from Wyoming, Cheney's home state. Uh-huh. I have, to, I must be semi-romantic, even when Break I'm criticizing me, baby. him. Yep, I love it. Uh, yeah, so those are like the past examples of the executive versus the legislature. It doesn't really go well when executives try to argue that they have the power in emergencies to suspend the rule of law. Uh, but in some ways, like to tie it back to what we were talking about before, uh-huh. in some ways, he can't really like, Trump can't really politically lose here because a lot mm-hmm. of the people who are holding these protests, these, you know, you, we can't be locked down. Give me Baskin Robbins or give me death <laughs> protests Classic that people are Patrick holding. Henry. Yeah, um, he a lot of them are his supporters. We've seen Trump 2020. There was a woman holding a. 
um, my body, my choice sign with a, a uh, face mask on it with Trump 2020 oh underneath. That's not what which, that means, you guys. Well, also, like the cognitive dissonance of my body, my choice. Oh, but, yeah. And you, you know, realize that it's not Trump. your body that's at risk in this particular enforcement scenario. It's the fact that you will kill other people tangentially. Right. It's not even tangentially. That, like, Mm. You're doing it to protect others, but I'm, we're not, not to lo- not to argue the logic of a, a protest sign. Um, that that one just went by pretty viral, and it was so absurd. Absolutely, yeah, it was and very it was, viral. I felt indignant about it because, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> um, as we all misappropriation, should. yeah, misappropriation. Mm. But uh, you know, the, we've seen a lot of pro-Trump signs at these rallies, so he really has nothing to lose from um, being really vocal that he doesn't like governors locking down states um, there is fear more- to be capitalized upon and that's his mo he loves to and capitalize on fear and it's effective from a rhetoric standpoint it honestly like he yes he doesn't have the power to shut down states but if he is saying repeatedly states should open up it's unjust that states aren't opening up they're doing too much it's over authoritarian they're you know mm-hmm. if he's ironically he, that he's he does making have that a lot argument of, absolutely but i mean he and he's making that argument a little bit now but i think he will increase that as the economy gets worse and as he has um, straws to grasp at you know yeah absolutely because he again like he has nothing to lose for making that argument yeah. and he has a lot to gain and if he starts making that argument a lot of republican governors are going to take um, take their cues from him and reopen right. states that they and they're in the they same have. position they're executives on the immediate level so it's like oh well we also will lose the next election we also don't like how poorly this reflects on us so sure right, no one wants to be responsible for a bad economy but yeah. the danger that you face and honestly the economy you know you hear this a lot but every time the um unemployment rate ticks up suicide rates increase it is oh yeah it is a very scary thing and this the economy is actually very tangibly affecting people's lives and if you're facing joblessness and homelessness this is a very mm-hmm. very scary time oh and you then know, you, you really add don't have the isolation factor absolutely there is an actual real problem but instead of trying to fix that problem if your only solution is to reopen reopen the states and let people go back to work people are it's we'll just be gonna keep here. happening we're gonna get on a cycle yep People are going to die. People and like I think that it becomes real for a lot of people when their loved ones start getting sick. And you know, mm-hmm. I personally know a handful of people who've gotten COVID, and I know people who've lost loved ones to COVID. And oh, I'm terrified seeing my mom go to work very, every day. She has asthma. Your mom she's, works in healthcare. Yeah, she's 60 this year, and she is working at a federal government hospital yeah no i mean just even my dad just yeah interact being in the hospital and and having that you just feel helpless was terrifying mm-hmm. yeah and so it's it's we're facing potential widespread fatalities um from from covid with you know an extreme mental health epidemic mm-hmm. and joblessness you know and all those resources tied to it you know that that there are fewer mental health resources if all the physicians are tied up doing x and they're so let's let's try to leave on a positive note like what are the solutions here um the i'm trying to think if there's anything things about like the right to refuse treatment in specifically public health emergencies and i do want to say that reagan did a very poor job of handling the last public health crisis um and as somebody who lost a family member 
1988 before Reagan apologized for his lack of acknowledging that um and somebody who was a gay man who lived in new york city so it it really kind of grounds new york city public health crisis executive abuse of power um and public health emergencies that they're bottom line being on a legal front there are these balances that you have to strike before compelling things like treatment or quarantine we probably could reach that point but you need a compelling interest and it's a really high standard of review before you you do force that. Uh, so Trump best not make a misstep in terms yeah. of infringing on state rights, uh, individual rights, things like that. But that with the asterisk that we are in very tenuous times and that these are things that in times of emergency can call for uh, different kinds of infringement on individual rights than uh we are used to the Constitution protecting, and for good reason, because kind of like you're saying, if we're not enforcing this ourselves as members of the society, if we're not being the right. grown-ups, uh, people will die, and 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 the police will um, eventually step in to do it. And then we'll have to right, and then the state will have to do it for prospect. us. Like mommy will have to pull you back from getting your ball in the street. Yeah, and then we do face martial law, we do face rioting, we do face people getting hurt and getting killed because of yeah. clashing. Yeah, so we have the power so, to prevent it, is, is the silver right. lining, is that it, it lies with us, and I think for those feeling helpless, man, I fucking get it, number one. Um, yeah. But advocating for that beyond just practicing it yourself, understanding it, sometimes understanding the health side is a good... Um, people kind of self-pacify in different ways. I like to understand what's going on, so I like to learn about yeah, the virus. Yeah, the same way. What are the actual risks? Um, and then your your mind is at least focused on something, and then you come away with it with more information. Um, and Some people like to not pay attention or, like, you know, like to not absorb all that information. And I That's get a that, too. Also it's it's valid totally response, elective. But. Like, you got to know yourself to some extent. I, I tend to err on one side more than the other. But I also get, like, just distract yourself. I know Brooke had said to me before I went back to Arizona, just spend a week doing things that make you feel good and make you happy. And it's it sounds yeah. like simple advice, but I actually, I kept reminding myself of that this week. Just, like, give yourself some time to tune out. Yeah. Take it for yourself. When you are extremely overstimulated, especially with like a bombardment of a lot of negative news and a and lot of yourself. stress. yourself. Like just space and yourself, with yourself. And just like you're on a feedback loop and you're in a dark place. Like yeah. I struggle with mental health. Mackenzie struggles with mental mm-hmm. health. This is a really bad time. And we're both healthy. For- like we're both relatively functional people who are, right. you know, in therapy or medicated and and have acknowledged this and we're have having a rough system. Yeah. yeah. So, so I can't boy. imagine if, you know, if you're facing it's, it's such an uncertain time if you um, are in a, a more vulnerable position. Um, yeah. My, my advice is just listen to what your body needs just on a, on an hour by hour basis and try to give your body that just to like get yourself back to a neutral, a neutral point where you're not overstimulated, like whatever it is, food or like a a shower, rest, exercise. You can nap all day. It's okay. Like just nap all day. Nap. Eat some ice cream. What music that you want to listen to, like whatever it is, just to get your body back to kind of a neutral place where 
Um, you're just giving it exactly what it needs mm-hmm. all the time. Um, obviously, that in itself is a privilege because if you have absolutely, you know, I know, and I, I feel bad even dependent on you. It. You won't be able to, but if you're able to just do that or just like and just ask for it up d- front, you know, because yeah. I told my employer, I, I've been trying to be better with this of telling people up front at the beginning of the week, like, hey, I I'll be available, but I'm a little off. Or, yeah. hey, I need to take these days and then I'll come back to it. But I think to come back to it right, I need to do this. Right. And again, like some people won't be able to just honestly, I think the most universal, the most universal thing I could say is just take it day by day. Yeah. We will moment by get moment. through this. Moment by moment. We're going like, I know that a lot of people are facing extremely scary situations and um a lot of stress and like you know everyone's in a really bad place mentally but like reach out to your support systems if you have them tell someone if you need help focus on just getting through that day and then please reach out we'll deal with please reach out to people not a burden it won't be a burden people want to know that i felt so mortified reaching out to brooke specifically when i needed somebody Because it was like, oh, my God, I always think of myself as so acknowledging of my mental health issues. And, oh, my God, I need somebody to be my friend right now. And that is so humiliating. And the first thing that Brooke said was, what do you need? We got through it. And the worst case is they say they can't do it. So. okay, here's the deal, America. Uh, We lost our audio signal on my dear Brooks end. So so here we are. Things are a little louder in the Brennan household now and Brooke is just going to tune in to say goodbye and I love you to all of you from my speakerphone into the microphone. So uh Brooke, you want to say hey? Um goodbye. Next time <laughs> hopefully this will not happen. We're all we'll play it by ear. This is quarantine realness, guys. Yep. This is just what's happening to us all the time now. We're all learning. We're all getting through the day. Um, We do want you guys to reach out if you have any stories about how you've been dealing with the psychological stressors and the employment stressors and everything in between. So our email, like Brooke said before, is exceedingly persuasive, like the show, at gmail.com. And my uh fucking social media yeah and i'm on it all the time because we're not leaving the home my instagram is mkz joy brennan my twitter is get me to a nunnery but with the number two and brooke baby hit it uh brooke angeline on instagram and bke rogers on twitter dm us yeah dm us uh talk to us and if we don't reply immediately um It's probably because we're in a hole of sadness and it's nothing personal. So please don't take it personally. We love you so much and we're really glad to be back and we missed you guys. So uh, stay safe, be smart, and be well. And we're with you guys. All right? Over and out. Bye. But how does it end? There was a young man from Nantucket whose dick was so long he could suck it. He said with a grin as he wiped off his chin, if my ear was a... I would fuck it. Wow. That's really lovely.